You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey, Mitch! Welcome back to another episode of Hey Mitch. I have on the line here uh, Vincent Higgins of the Yuma Art Center once again because we're going to be doing more interviews about the artists who are participating in Heroes United, the art exhibit at the Yuma Art Center. Yes. Uh, thanks for everyone tuning in. Uh, it's my pleasure to be able to have you all here again. Uh, Mitch, Chris, thanks again for the last episode. It was great. And I'm super excited to get to chat with Sabrina Porter here. Um, I, on a whim, reached out when I saw your website from one of the cons and was like crossing my fingers that she would be willing to bring some art out. And I was super happy when you decided to reply. I was like, yeah, well, come on out. I'll bring my art out. And it was fantastic. And your whole wall in our exhibit is fantastic. And everyone that visits is always blown away with that. So thank you. Awesome. This is my pleasure. Yeah. So your, your particular part of the exhibit is so breathtaking. The, 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 the way that the art looks and uh, how it's presented. What is the particular medium of your art? Like, is it, I mean, I'm, I'm not too familiar with, with painting and, and art altogether. So I noticed it does look different though. So um, the way that it's described is mixed media oil. Oh. So what I've been doing, I can tell you a little bit about process if you're interested. I would love but, to hear um, about it's, that. It's great. So it's it's primarily um, a bunch of mixed media. So I will throw some charcoal in there, some inks. I love working with inks, um, acrylic inks. Um, spray mm. paint is a very big part of my process. And then I usually will follow all that up with a layer of rich oils, um, some glazing, and then just some juicy oil paint to make those colors really pop. And they do, they, they, they really do the, the, the way that they all, it all plays off each other. And, and like I said, how it's presented, it's, it's so cinematic almost like though in the, in the way it looks, it's, it's amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much. So you said that you have all these pieces that are all mixed media. How do you, just as an artist myself, I can't even imagine all those layers going that are involved. I, I know like in some of my own works, I build my layers, but with acrylic inks, okay, I'm a little familiar with acrylic inks, but then spray paint mixing in, that part really tossed a monkey wrench in my, my whole view. Like how do you build these layers and not like, well, just, just, Go on that. Well, I'll find more okay. questions to ask. <laughs> sure, not a problem. Um, all right, so layers are super important for me, um, not only because I like the look of layers, but also because 
my particular temperament when I'm painting is very um, all over the place. Uh, I'm what you would call an eye personality. And um, I really like to be able to throw a bunch of materials and mediums down and then let them sit for a minute, let them dry, go do something else, come back and touch my materials again, and just kind of do that over and over again until the piece comes to fruition, if that makes sense. It does, it does. Yeah, so, so what I'll do a lot of times is I, um, I work with both stable and unstable materials. Um, stable, stable materials just means that the materials will stay on the canvas or on the paper and I can paint over them and they won't get messed up at all. But unstable materials like charcoal will get messy and kind of mix with whatever I put on top of it. So I have to seal those layers down. And um, what that does is it gives me an opportunity to work on multiple pieces at a time. Um, and that's why they can look so cohesive also, because then I have this process kind of nailed down where I know, all right, right now I'm working on my charcoal layer. Right now I'm working on my inks layer. Um, when I throw spray paint in, that is probably, especially now, that is probably the time where I get to cover the most canvas um, or the most of my surface. And it helps give me a sense of mm, progress. Because <laughs> sometimes when you're looking at a blank canvas, you're going, okay, what is happening here? What do you want to be canvas? Talk to me. Yeah. And um, yeah, spray paint's really great for that. And and it's not it's not often planned at all. I usually will just do what we call being in my right brain and just making every decision based on what I just did. So if I put some blue down, that I'm looking at the blue that I just put down and I say, okay, well, what do I need now? As opposed to having a plan to begin with. So I'm curious with, with, with all the uh, extra the mediums, is that the right terminology? Mm -hmm. is, there, is there like a specific order? Like, do you have to lay this one down uh, just because like you were talking about with stable and unstable, like, is there like trial and error or were you like, oh, okay, this is a good pattern. How, how did that come about? There is a ton of trial and error. Let me tell you, I have made some messes um, <laughs> while coming up with this process. But what I what I do, some some people do this um, a different way. You can do it one of two ways. You can either put down your unstable materials first, which um, I started out doing when I first decided that I was going to go into art full time and really pursue this as a career. Um, I put down my unstable materials first and then I would stabilize them with a clear coat or some kind of some kind of acrylic spray or clear coat that would just really seal it into the surface after that then I put in my stable materials and I could just work from there and I didn't necessarily have to worry about um, having to seal anything or having to wait for anything to necessarily um, get to a point where I can paint over it um, so that's the way that I like to do it but some other people would choose to put their stable materials down first and then put their unstable materials on top of it. And then they don't have to do any sealing. So it's really a personal preference. Hmm. Wild. And then, so with the, uh, with this, with this being uh, the heroes United, what is a lot of your art, like, were you already comic book based or was that just something that you're like, Oh, let me, let me put it together for this. Or, you know, you kind of dabble all this and that, because as Mitch mentioned earlier, it does have a very, uh, cinematic presence to it, like the like your people look very real, which is amazing in my eye. Um, so, like, did you like get inspired like comic book panels or like oh you know like I I like you know square jaws like Jack Kirby esque or, or or how did that come about? 
So that's okay. That's that's a that's a fun story. It's it's kind of a mixture of things that have happened over the course of my life. So um, first and foremost, I've always loved drawing drawing portraiture. Um, portraits and figures have always been something that I was highly interested in, and um, I would draw people from pretty much the time I was four up until now. So that's something that I that I was really familiar with and making a face look very representational or very realistic um, was always something that I wanted to do. However, I did have quite an interest in comic books um, from a young age, but I grew up in a family that wasn't super like excited about that. <laughs> and so um, so while my, my sister was very much into sci-fi comic books what have you but she went to college when i was two and so i didn't get to connect with her on that level and so i didn't have anyone to connect with like that and so it kind of just fell by the wayside for a while until um about 10 to 12 years ago when i moved to arizona and i got um reconnected with my sister who was living out here at the time because i was in georgia um so we we're both in arizona we're hanging out and we start getting sucked into the big bang theory and it kind of like and I know that it has like these different, um, everybody has a different opinion about it, but it kind of like was my like taste of that forbidden fruit again, if you will. And what, what was really fun for me was whenever they would talk about origin stories, I would always get really excited about that. And I thought, man, I, I can't, what is this about? Like, why am I so into these origin stories? Like, 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 you know, Avengers or Justice League or what, you know, whenever all the characters came together and they had their big battle or moment, you know, that's great. But I was always really interested in everyone's individual story and how they got to where they are. And that was, that became the basis of what I was painting was I realized, okay, everyone has this, um, portion of their life or something in their past that was either done to them or something that they've done that they're now trying to heal from and figure out, okay, where do I fit in the scope of life? What is my purpose here? Does this have to define me or is this something that I can, that I can create into a bigger, into something that's bigger than myself, if that makes sense. And so I found that um, as I was going through some of the origin stories and, and at this point, of course, the MCU is really taking off. Um, um, I'm looking. I'm looking at each one of these individual characters and watching the characters develop, and thinking, "This is life right here. Like this is this is kind of the purpose of life. Is like coming out of the muck and mire of what we've experienced in the past and going through our healing. And in our healing, we find out what our true superpower is and what our purpose on Earth is. And so I really got it. I, I didn't know that like getting into graphic novels, but still having that high um that kind of realistic representationalism was allowed and i was and at the time i was also in school for it i was talking to my instructor and she said that's totally allowed just whatever you're gonna do you gotta do it 100 if you're into graphic novels then go ahead and do it like like push the graphic novels but also push the portraiture that you really like and so i started to amalgamate i guess the pieces together and try and figure out okay how do these fit and how do i make them into a message that i want to put out into the world and, the, and so what, what each one of those especially the pieces that are down in um, yuma right now are supposed to represent is kind of that aha moment that somebody realizes this is why i'm here this is why that happened to me this is what i'm now accomplishing through that pain or through that injustice um or through just just whatever it was that took place that I thought wasn't supposed to be a part of my story. Now you just hit on it a little bit. You said that you said the term 
origin story. Now we want to hear your origin story. What, what of of your art life, like your art career? Where did it start? What when, when was the first time you picked up that pencil and decided this is what I want to do? Oh my goodness! I think I think I might have been four. Um, it's possible I was younger, but that's the earliest that I remember. So, and the most and the earliest piece that I can think of that I had um, was. I was I was sitting with my dad or I was on the floor. My dad was on the couch and he was watching TV. And that was, you know, pretty, pretty standard for him. And so I knew that I had a lot of time to get this drawing done. Right. Like I'm sitting there and he's kind of watching t- TV and I think I'm going to draw my dad. And so I drew my dad sitting on the couch. He's kind of like in a reclining position. And um, and I just I was just kind of going for it. And my mom, I showed it to my mom and she said, wow, that's actually really good and again think about it i'm, I'm four years mm-hmm. old so it's not like it was an amazing it doesn't look like my art now but <laughs> four-year-old it was kind of like you gotta be kidding me she just drew this guy sitting on the couch from life like a still life and then she looked even closer and said what is that stuff underneath the, the couch i said well it's, it's that stuff that's under the couch right now like it's she said that's the you drew the trash under the couch <laughs> what is wrong with you and i said but it was there, like I just, and I, I'd always been the kind of person to draw what I saw. And um, that's when she started thinking, you know what, maybe we have something here. Like my parents were always super supportive of my art journey. And, and I didn't realize how uncommon that was um, until I got to college. And I started meeting people who said, yeah, no, my dad's gonna write me out of my will if I don't stop chasing this art thing. And I'm <laughs> like, what? Like people, you know, there, there are parents out there that aren't excited about the art journey, but my parents were always very excited about it. And so I'd say from about third grade, so I was about nine then, they started putting me in special classes, particularly for art. Every time that there was an option for an elective, um, all the way through high school, they made sure that whatever art classes were available, I was I was there honing my skills and just um, just growing, just growing and growing. Um, and then eventually, I went to the University of Georgia. I got my bachelor's in fine arts, um, and then I got to talk to the counselor right before I got my bachelor's in fine arts. I got to talk to one of the counselors um, who, t- who told me or asked me, what do you want to do um, when you leave college? Like, how are you going to make money? And I said, well, I'm going to be a famous artist and I'm going to sell my work. That's like, like, duh, like, that's why I'm majoring in art. And she kind of looked at me and said, no, I don't think that's, no, I don't, I don't think that's likely to happen. And I remember thinking, oh, well, that's news to me because I had always been told that I was going to be an artist <laughs> and my living doing that. And, and so I wound up going into graphic design because she kind of like was honing my schedule and everything or honing my, um yeah, my class schedule. And so I wound up going into graphic design for a while and um, did that for 10 years before I finally decided, okay, enough's enough. It, it turns out that I actually can make a living from my art and I'm going to move into that um, 100% now. And I, I had a lot of help and support during that time. Um, I got married around the same time. My husband was very, very excited about, about my art. And he said, okay, what do you need? What do we need to make this happen? Cause, because this is what you're passionate about. This is where you need to be. And so, um, yeah, so I, and I, and I don't regret those years in graphic design. Like it taught me so much about marketing and how much to, and how much I can really just dig in and like make this a whole What's what I'm looking for? It's it's almost like it still brought me to the to the place that I needed to be in order to be able to start my own business. 
Um, but I didn't realize it at the time. At the time, I saw it as a detour, um, and it was and it was a little heartbreaking. But now I get to experience the fruits of all of that. Okay. So one of the things that I've always heard, and you can correct me if I'm completely wrong or if it doesn't apply to you, but I've heard that you go to art school so that you can learn the rules so that you can know how to break them when you're creating your art. Is that something that, that is that something that's true to you? And like, when was that moment for you? Oh, let's see. Gosh. Um, so here's the thing. I would actually agree with that. But from the standpoint of um, everything that I learned when I went to, so I went to an, another school out in Arizona called the Milan Art Institute. So I got my BFA and then, you know, 10, 12 years later, I got another, I got another certification in art. Um, and it's almost like what I was taught was the exact opposite of what I was taught in art school. Oh. Um, and, and it was, cause I think what was going on in, art, in my art school at the time was that they were really just focused on showing us contemporary art. This is what, like, th- these are the things that were done up until this point. And the purpose was always to push the envelope and be more outrageous or be more offensive or be more irritating. And, you know, when you go, when you think of all the different movements of art, there's always like somebody who's pushing the envelope a little bit more. And I think that what I learned later on is that pushing the envelope is important, but it doesn't necessarily have to be from an offensive standpoint. It can actually be from an inspirational standpoint. And that was one of the things that I learned in the, in my newer school, um, where she really tried to, the professor really tried to dig into what was already inside of us. And she said, okay, what is it that it's, that makes you, that makes you cry? What is it that makes you um, happy? What are the things that get you excited? And how do we portray that on a canvas? How do you, how do you take the things that are about yourself that you can't put into words and place them on a canvas so that people understand you better? I like that. That's, that's, Definitely. Coming from a place of inspirations is just amazing. So if you don't mind piggybacking off of that with inspirations, like um, like who are some of your uh, uh, artists that inspire you? And even then, as, as I'm looking at the uh, piece behind you, I notice in the, the sunglasses, I love the lettering. So is that um, like who, who how else does that inspire you to like be like, hey, I, I painted this, but then I also want to add. I think, uh, is it onomatopoeia, if that's right? Onomatopoeia, yes. (laughs) So what are some of your inspirations and then what drives you to add some onomatopoeia to your your art as well? Um, Let's see. I think that initially when I added in the onomatopoeia, I was thinking from this, I was thinking, well, what do I want people to to feel when they're seeing this? Okay, so if I put put the word in a a painting and it says bang, it's like, Okay, well, do they feel it or, or, or am, am I accomplishing that? Am I accomplishing that in the visual as well as in the words? Um, well, Roy Lichtenstein, of course, um, Andy Warhol, pop artists were really the big inspiration behind, um, behind my work because I always thought, I remember thinking, wow, how is it that, that this was acceptable? Because I'm, I'm looking at this and this is what everybody's idea of art is, but then I look at them and, it's, and I'm thinking, well, there's, there's something different happening here. And 
I haven't figured out what it is, but I know that I like it. And I, and I know that it speaks to me on a level of who I am, not just from the, not from just from the standpoint of, I don't think that's art or somebody else didn't think that was art. It's more from the standpoint of that, that talks to me on a level that I can't, I can't express. Like I can't even express it in words now. That talks to me on a level that I can't express. And I, and I want to, and I feel like they took what was inside of them and said, here I am. These are the things that I can't fully express about myself in words. And so I'm giving it to you on a surface in a visual form. So does that help you when you're, when you're like your layouts? Cause I, I, I'm, I'm lucky if I'm able to do a stick figure, but I've learned like sometimes you start with this and then like, Oh, well maybe I'll add this or add this or that like that like because i'm sorry i guess i'm losing my question but like yeah when you're looking at layouts because like did you start with with the onomatopoeia that led to the sunglasses that led to the person or did it lead to the person to the accessory to the onomatopoeia how does how did that come about oh it's definitely the person first so so my the portraiture is always um primary in my pieces um portraiture is really where i feel like i'm in my element and I'm very much a problem solver in moments. I don't necessarily like having a plan at the very beginning. I'm not that. I am not that person to plan out the entire um, painting or vacation or life in general. I'm so bad at all of those things. I'm very fly by the seat of my pants and just kind of see what happens. And that's why I love the spray paint so much. When I was talking about that earlier, it's just it's it's making that decision um, in the moment. And realizing that what's in my spirit is what's going to come out onto that canvas. Because if I plan it, then it's in my brain. And if it's in my brain, I can say it, right? Mm -hmm. So usually the onomatopoeia is going to come last unless it's an integral enough part of the piece. Maybe it's something that I thought of while I was asleep or in the shower or what have you. Because we always have our our, our ideas in the, at a time where we can't write them down. <laughs> can't write them down sketchbook. That's just how that goes. <laughs> the best time to strike, yeah. <laughs> so um, um, unless it's an integral part of the piece and of the um, base layout, I don't really I don't really worry about it until the very end. Usually, the portraiture is where it begins. So let me ask you about the pieces that you have in display at the Yuma Art Center right now. Are there any stories behind that? Uh, you know, what were your decisions in making those ones? Yes. So, so those, um, like, like I mentioned before, those were to primarily capture that aha moment of realizing your purpose in life. But a fun story about when I was working on those is that, um, my husband and I found out that we were pregnant. Well, really, I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> we were pregnant um, um, right around the middle of when I was starting to grasp this idea of um, what I wanted to paint. I, I realized, okay, I'm getting into the graphic novels. This is what I. This is what I'm really liking um, as far as being a portion of my work. And I didn't know how to synergize those ideas together. And then when I found out that I was pregnant, everything changed. Like my whole thought process about life in general and why I was here began to really take forms. Like I still want to be an artist, but now I'm going to be a mother. And what does that mean? Like, what is that? How does that translate into, into my art and what it means to be Sabrina Porter now? And I realized I need to start thinking about 
legacy and what it means to um, show my, well, what here, my son, um, to show my son how to become the man that he's meant to be. So how do I, how do I not only do that for myself? Because remember, I was still becoming an artist at the time. Um, I not only have to do this for myself, but now I have to learn how to um, become the kind of mother who is seeing the strengths of my son that maybe at this point, because he's almost two, look like, you know, him acting out or being <laughs> being just a crazy two-year-old, but find out, okay, what are the strengths that are in him? What, what do those likely mean that he's going to do later on in his life? You know, the fact that he talks nonstop, does that mean that he has the potential to be a motivational speaker? You know, the fact that he can spin around in circles without getting dizzy for like 10 minutes at a time, does that mean that he's going to be a professional dancer? I, I don't know. Like he, he could be any of these things. Um, but I want to make sure that what's inside of him, he knows is not a mistake. And he can, and, and at some point, he's going to have that aha moment, like in those pieces where something just bursts out of him. Because you, you've probably seen the pieces where um, the superhero is bursting from the background. Um, and usually like right around the area of where the person's mind or brain um, is. Where, where that, where, when that moment happens for him, I want him to follow it with abandon and just know that this is why I'm here. This is what I'm after. And I'm going to go for it with everything that I have. Very cool. Uh, also, those pieces definitely invoke a certain woman of wonder at the DC Comics. Like, what are your, you know, um, motivations behind the the very much woman empowerment that uh, that comes from your pieces there i think that that kind of happened um organically if you will and i think that had more to do with the i with me realizing that i didn't know anything about being a parent oh <laughs> and so i was trying to really tell myself you know what you're gonna be awesome at this you are gonna rock this i mean there is wonder woman paraphernalia all over my my studio. I have a coffee maker with the logo on it. I mean, it's very it's very much a part of who I am because it's like I have to kind of look at myself in the mirror and say, "This is who you are. This is what you're going to do today." <laughs> and um, that's and that's that's kind of how she came about. It was it's it was more about really seeing who is it that's on who is it that's on the inside and not thinking of it as just oh it's just a mini Sabrina Porter. You know, I didn't want to make it just myself. I wanted it to be somebody who is recognizable, somebody who we can obviously look up to, um, and somebody who has values that that I very much respect. And do you happen to have a favorite uh, artist iteration of uh, Wonder Woman in her costume? I would say um, Jim Lee is probably where I where I picked up quite a bit of inspiration. Um. Yeah, by far he was, he was my he was my favorite. Every time that I picked up a comic book, um, with Wonder Woman in it, and I was like, "This is this is it. This is this is this is the one that's saying what I needed to say." It was always it was almost always by him. Very cool. Now I always I always love to be on the comic book side of stuff. That's where I that's where I'm at. So, did you find yourself like? Did you follow any? runs of wonder woman like were you like oh i'm, I'm gonna be with her for these couple of years or was it kind of just like you know she'd pop up in your life every now and then you're like oh what's what's this up to or what's this comic all about 
It's very much the second one. I, again, it was it was more of a, I, I wish that I had the kind of mindset where I thought, you know what, I'm going to do research and go for this, like, like, like a total D personality and, um, and, um, and, and see where it takes me. But um, I'm very much in the moment. And every time that she popped up, it was almost like it was a new brand of inspiration. And I just kind of, and I just kind of went with it. It worked out really well, though, that um, that the DCU DCU decided to come out with the with the movie right at, right around the same time. And I thought, oh my goodness, okay, well now I'm like I'm sucked in with even more inspiration. I thought they did an amazing job with that. That's all really great information that she just gave us. Um, one thing I was curious about that I've been waiting for them to finish uh, their questions is where you. Get the inspiration for your color palettes because your work is very primary like reds bright reds yellows and blues so what goes into that selection so that that probably that came more more than anything else from me working on i worked on several pieces at once um especially the ones that are in the that are in the yuma center yuma art center right now um i found myself working with the inks and doing a lot of uh, acrylic washes just mixing the acrylic with water and just trying to see, okay, how, how do I get across this idea of the superhero? And red, yellow, and blue was very, like, was a very easy, was a very easy go-to in the moment. And I thought, okay, well, let's just play with this and see how, how it goes. And so I used, in those pieces, I found myself doing layer upon layer of acrylic washes. And then eventually I came up with, with a color palette, which kind of, which kind of wound up turning into a gradient of blue, red, and yellow all the way down um, um, that, I, that I felt was reminiscent of Superman. And I said, okay, you know what? That's a really, really super easy way of just getting that superhero vibe across. So now what's happening, and you can probably see this in the piece behind me, is that I'm starting to experiment with more, um, with more colors that still can give the superhero vibe, but more from a from an from an impact of the brightness of the colors versus the actual color palette itself. Now, there's I can't remember the name of the piece, but one of them, your figures has red specifically, like underneath the nose. Now, do you have any darker motifs that kind of hide behind the face of the pop art? Because the the pop figures are very direct, but then there's sometimes a story hidden beneath the layers. Do you have anything like that? Probably, but it wouldn't be intentional. <laughs> cool. You wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe the number of times that I paint something and about then about a year and a half later I look at it and say, oh my gosh. You know, that little that little moment right there where the red becomes blue or where the yellow becomes sparkly or something like that is that it totally means this and this is what I'm doing right now. One of the cool things about about when I was in school is that we started to talk about remember how I talked earlier about um how we paint our how, who we are on the inside and how the in the origin stories we're um, developing this healing and then becoming the people that we're meant to be. It's like I we found out that sometimes we are actually painting our own healing, like whatever it is that we have experienced in life, we're painting the, the deliverance side of that. Um, and that happened big time for me um, with, with, a, with a series of women that I had done. They're, they're dancing ladies and I had this fabric behind them. And um, 
and the fabric kind of reminded me of a cape, but it wasn't, but I wasn't like in, in the moment where I thought, oh, I'm allowed to do graphic novels yet. And so I was kind of just like hinting at it and playing with the idea. But when I looked at those pieces about two years after, after painting them, it was a total aha healing moment for me because I realized, oh, I was painting my healing on the other side of this without even realizing it. That's awesome. Um, I mean, you, you pretty much talked about the entire gamut of your work. Um, and you're ta- kind of talking about the piece behind you. Are there some other themes or motifs you want to explore in the future? No, oh, I'm sure there are lots. Um, but what I'm what I'm focusing on right now is more of the onomatopoeia. Um, developing some of my own <laughs> onomatopoeia. Um, you know, something that's that's less like bang and something that's more like schlep. You know, and um, figuring out how, <laughs> because there are things that make that sound. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want I want to figure out how to, and this is where the graphic design comes in. But I want to figure out how to take those letters and really make them visually appealing, like letters that just don't look like they go together and make them visually appealing um, in an art piece. Because I think that that would be a really fun project that kind of melds my art and my graphic design all together into one. You know, that is a, that is a really neat angle to go with because it, comic books are, are so ridiculous in that manner where they're like, let's make up words and, and actions and things. And like, you know, like, Wolverine, Sneak, Spider-Man, Thwip, Nightcrawler, Bamf, you know, and, and so it's neat that you're right, that they've become words, they've become actions, you know, like I work with students and sometimes you will catch a kid who's like, I'm going to Bamf out of here and everybody else is looking at it, it's like, yep, that's right I like that kid. You should all talk that way. <laughs> Heard it here first, that's what the, the new action, anytime we leave, we're going to, we're going to Bamf out of here. <laughs> Vincent also talked about the fact that uh, he first saw your art on display at a at a comic convention. Um, as an artist during this time of quarantine and coronavirus and stuff like that, like how has that impacted you and your 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 um, creative process in in you know not not going out or not displaying your art? Like, I mean, obviously the stuff is up at the Yuma Art Center right now, but that is not nearly the same as what it used to be. Right. Um, yeah, it, it definitely affected um, it, it affected the business big time. But from a standpoint of I was really kind of looking forward, not even kind of, I was really looking forward to the shows that um, we had planned this year. Um, my husband and I were getting things all squared away and I like bought some materials to get um, for my setup and everything. And I was really excited about it. But um, yeah, once coronavirus kind of took over and I realized, oh my goodness, none of this stuff is happening. Okay, we need to take another angle. Um, There were a few different things that happened. So one of them was we were all stuck at home, which the nice part about that, because I've been a stay at home mom, is that my husband was home also, and I got to be in the studio a whole lot more. So that was one thing that happened that was was on the beneficial side. Um, Another thing that took place is that the um, the art institution institute where I was um, actually began creating this global network now of um, materials where we're helping artists really follow their passions of being coming a professional artist and giving them all the tools that they need to start their own business in the arts. And I've become a men- I've since become a mentor um, two different artists who are now beginning their art careers or two new up and coming artists. So that's been really exciting. And so that's been fun. Um, 
<clears throat> excuse me. So yeah, it's been it's it's been a matter of like just kind of changing the angle of how things are, of of how we're making um making ends meet. I guess you could say. Um, one thing that that happened that was kind of humorous is um, I woke up one morning and told my husband this is when you know the toilet paper fiasco was going on. Um, I told my husband, you know what? I have this urge to just draw this epic roll of toilet paper. I I'm I know it sounds dumb. I said, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I'm gonna do it, and it kind of blew up. Like it was really pop. People were buying prints of it left and right. People were making them into. Um, like greeting cards and sending them out for teachers appreciation week. I mean, it was really popular for a while. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was really insane. So that that was that that happened earlier on in the year. Um, and it really helped kind of make up for some of the money that I didn't make um at the shows that I was in that I um very much had planned for. So um, you know, there's been a lot of just being creative <laughs> like like that and then just little surprises that come up here and there. So when you do these uh, comic book conventions, do you ever have, you know, because fans are always looking at people and it's like, oh, man, I love your style. And like, do they ever come up to you and commission you to, to you know, do superhero art as well? Um, I've had people I've had a commission um, commissions come through from the convention, but they're not usually for superheroes. They're usually for um, actors or people of influence um, because remember, I do the, the portraiture. And so when I went to. Um, Arizona, the Phoenix's Comic Con last um, year, they I had mostly originals. I actually didn't have very many prints at all. Um, they were originals on high end paper, and some of them were on canvas. Um, and people were buying up like these different just actually. Oh, I had one guy pick up um, a Jeff Goldblum because he was at he was in Phoenix last year, and so he picked up the Jeff Goldblum one and then had him sign it. Um, at the at the convention, so that was actually really fun. Nice, but, um, but yeah, I, I would use, but I'll usually get a commission for somebody who wants like a person of influence, like some kind of portraiture, because that's really where my specialty is, and that's where um, that's where most of my commissions come from are for portraits. How many reference uh, reference pictures do you usually use when when you're doing something like that, uh, a, a portrait of someone uh, in influence? Oh gosh, um, about two or three usually, yeah. And with that, have you ever had one where somebody had a commission and you just wound up like, oh, my gosh, this is like because I know sometimes people will take on a commission and then they'll turn it into a print. Have you ever had one go to that level where you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is, you know, I want to share out massively. I've thought about it, but but I wasn't sure. I really do try to keep my commissions like kind of separate from my business. Um, when I, or not for my business, but I try to keep them separate from the things that I'm creating and making prints of, um, simply out of respect for my um, clients or my patrons. So when somebody wants um, something specifically for them, if I thought if I see that it's becoming more popular after I post it, somebody says, "Oh my gosh, I want one of these. I want something like this." I'll usually make something that's like it but different. So even if it's the same person, it will be. Um, a different pose or a different message or a different some something that is that is visibly different about it, and so that that person that purchased the original has um, their their own specific special to them because I've that's just that's just something that I like to offer my clients. 
No, that's really neat. I like that because even then, that way, if the person gets wind, it's like, oh, cool. I, I got you know a, a sister piece to it. That way, you know, you, you almost get a two for one. So that's kind of cool. I like that. So the art exhibit is called Heroes United, and I'd love to hear from you what you think that that means in a time when we definitely need heroes. Oh man, <laughs> and unity. <laughs> and unity, yes. Um. Well, I. Th- I don't, well, I don't know. So there's probably a couple of ways to think about it, but um, I think that now is we're very uniquely positioned to, to each take up the mantle of a superhero from the standpoint of thinking for ourselves, if that makes sense. Um, I think that there is a, there's a big market for people who can speak their mind, but at the same time know that it doesn't have to fall in line with the way that any one group of people thinks. They can actually have, um, they can have an opinion that is still loving towards the human race in general, and just be able to. There's there's there is a way of having truth and grace in all of your conversations, and I feel like that's something that's that's been missing. Um, particularly this year. So for like me and my husband have had a really good time this year. So we like to debate a lot, right? And this year has given us a lot to debate about. <laughs> so it's been so it's been a really fun journey because I've been learning how to have unifying conversations with other people and teach and showing and showing how is it that we can be individuals who are ultimately loving, but at the same time very truthful and what it is that we're sharing. That's all the questions that I have. Uh, I don't know if Vincent had some more. Um, no, not really. I mean, you covered the gamut of anything I could ever want to talk about. And we got the main things that I really wanted to touch on, which was your work, your background, like where you get all your inspiration. And so I'm, I'm glad you touched on everything I could ever want. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, I, tried, I, tried. <laughs> I do have one more question. It's a question that I, I sometimes get to ask uh, when I'm interviewing people. But outside of when you're not creating and you're, you know, have those few moments of downtime, what is it that you love to geek out about? What's what's your your thing? And it doesn't need to be like anything that's quote unquote geeky. Like if you just happen to like making paper airplanes, that's your geek out. What What is it that is your your geek out? Oh my god! Oh no, geek! My my geek out is actually oh wow, probably buying art supplies. That's really it's it's really kind of a it's kind of a problem. <laughs> um, go, going going and buying art supplies, talking art supplies for sure, talking to other artists, and it's it's it sounds it sounds silly, but I promise it's actually one of the most fulfilling things. Um, pretty much ever. If I just, if I just go out and I just look for new things, I'm running out of things to buy. So I hope people develop new art supplies. (laughs) I'll just go out and I'll just pick something up and say, well, I haven't seen this kind of ink, you know, it's shellac ink and I have alcohol inks and I have dye based inks. And it's not like I need all these different inks, but they're different kinds of inks and they're all going to, they're all going to respond differently to water and alcohol and Coca-Cola. Who knows? I mean, just, just playing with the materials and seeing what they do. Um, and so, yeah, maybe I'll pick up a shellac ink and I'll think, oh, this is really cool. I have, this is in blue, but I don't have it in phthalo blue. And that's, that's an important distinction. So those are, those are probably my more 
my more geeky moments are <laughs> Thalos Thionine Blue, Thalos Thionine Blue point two, uh, 2.0, uh, what have you. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. I love that. I love that answer. So outside of the Yuma Art Center right now, where is the best place that people can, uh, one, see your art, and two, contact you online? Uh, Zabrina.com is going to be the number one place to catch my art. Um, that's Z-Y-B-R-E-N-A.com. Um, you can see the pieces that I have available there and you can purchase pieces that are available there. Um, and then also on Instagram, my handle is at Sabrina. And Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your artwork with our community. Um, Yuma is unique in that it's a, a has that town feeling, but there's still like 90,000 people that still live there. So it is a city technically, <laughs> but we are a bit more remote. So thank you so much for sharing your artwork with our little ish community. And um, for those listening to this, today's show, please be sure to check out the exhibit so you can come see her work in person. Um, she is hyping it up on here, but getting to see it in person is even better. Thanks so much. Uh, it's my pleasure. And it, 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 does the UMART Center also have a website? Yeah, um, you can check us out at umartcenter.com. Uh, we are part of the city of Yuma, so you can also find us on the city of Yuma website. But come pay us a visit. We'd love to have you. And what's the, the date? Still, when's the end date for the art, the art exhibit? Uh, we'll probably be going till the end of this calendar year and be start taking them down, I want to say, early January. All right, so you still have a little bit of time, but uh, make sure you get in there and, t- and give uh, the art a look. Thank you again for joining us on this podcast and being a part of the Geek Elite Media Network. But until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to... Geek out. Geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. 